Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting beings everywhere. Today's podcast is Don't Be Your Diagnosis. Don't Be Your Diagnosis. So we've all heard the term of diagnosis or diagnoses in in a variety of ways. And what it means is literally from the dictionary, I'm reading this, the identification of the nature of an illness or other problem by examination of the symptoms. The other definition is the distinctive characterization in precise terms of a genus, species, or phenomenon. So what I'm talking about is the first one. Don't be the identification of the nature of an illness or other problem. We get diagnosis all the time, and I'm in the medical world. I I grew up in the medical world. My father is an orthopedic surgeon. I was exposed to medicine very early and always very interested in healthcare and thought, in fact, that I would be a neurosurgeon myself. And then I went to uh, Duke University and and lasted about one week in pre-med. And I thought, this is not a lot of fun. (laughs) I remember calling my mom saying, these people aren't seeming like they're having a lot of fun. And I really wanted to have a, a good balance in college. I wanted to learn, but also not only um, be head in the book all the time. So I left that idea of medicine for a while. And then I came back to it because it was always my first love, really being in health in the health and wellness field. And I found this amazing uh, vocation called physical therapy. And so I've always been in the this medical model, but the medical model now has somewhat devolved into this model where you receive a diagnosis and then you are treated for the diagnosis. And it's not the doctors or PTs or nurses or any practitioners 
fault that they sometimes can't look at the whole picture, but that's what is reimbursable is the diagnosis. So the diagnosis is, is an identification of what is going on with you or what is going on with your body. Or in the case, like my brother, one of my brothers, you know, my brother, John, who's on the podcast. He's also a physical therapist. My other brother, Miles, my triplet brother, Miles is a psychiatrist. So he would be getting a diagnosis of a different kind or giving diagnosis of a different kind of different types of mental diagnosis. But I'm really mostly referring in this podcast to the physical diagnosis. This can apply to our mental diagnoses as well. But we get a diagnosis, which is this kind of characterization, identification of what is wrong or you know ailing in the body based on symptoms. And then we get a treatment plan according to what this diagnosis is. And this is helpful. This is useful. It really is. And it's it, it for a lot of people, for a lot of diagnosis, for a lot of problems, it could be just simply that. You have symptoms of respiratory difficulty and you need this, you need to do this to help that. You have symptoms of rotator cuff tendonitis and this will help with that. So there are these um, measurements that we take and then then we make a diagnosis and then there's treatment patterns that we'll follow or give if we're instructing a patient. And that can work really well. Where the diagnosis becomes more of an issue is when we self-identify with it. When we, I mean, let me give you an example. In the PT world, Sometimes you could slip into language like so and so Mr. Evans has a you know a bad knee or has a left knee and you would just be like oh and Mrs. Jones right shoulder rotator cuff tendonitis you know Pete whatever has Achilles tendonitis he's a you know it's kind of like you almost kind of lump the person's name with the um, characteristic and or the or the diagnosis and um, many people that I worked with in these really great settings they would really specifically speak of people as people and talk about a symptom that they are experiencing and that really was my boss at this rehab center was very much about keeping people as people identifying them as a person not as a patient with a diagnosis and I really appreciate that early on that that point of view of of not glumping them together so it can be done from either the practitioner standpoint like the physical therapist or doctor or from the patient themselves and when you become this once you have this identity it's it's hard to um to kind of uh, see yourself in a different light almost like you can't pick apart the diagnosis um, and extract your identity from it. And this happens for people who are have a diagnosis that is more chronic. So low back pain, knee pain, ankle. I mean, it could be anything, something that you experience over and over again or something that was in your family, for instance. So I was just visiting my, my parents and my mom 
is um, has left. See, I'm saying I can even imagine it because I was rubbing it for her. She has um, in her left knee arthritis. So arthritis is defined by when um, I'm, def- I'm, I'm. This isn't out of the dictionary. This is just my ex- explanation of it. We have two bones that come together, and that makes a joint. And in the joint, there's joint space. There's a space in the joint, and that's usually filled with um, synovial fluid. It's filled with uh, cartilage, articular cartilage. Sometimes there's other things in there, meniscus and whatnot in the knee. But there are things that are structures that are in there that are specifically designed to help the knee move better and to help it not uh, have friction. Okay, so when we think of graceful movement or effortless movement, there is not friction in that movement. It seems very quite seamless and graceful. So when you have arthritis, arthritis is really degeneration of the structures in that joint space so that the two bones no longer have this kind of space between them, but they instead rub up against each other. And that's not really how they're designed to do. So they rubbing up against each other feels clunky. It feels unstable and it creates pain. It doesn't feel good. So people with arthritis and you know specifically I'm talking about the knee, there's a grinding, there's sometimes a grinding noise, there's a grinding feeling, there can be a lot of inflammation and a lot of stiffness. So my mom has that and we were talking and, and I just was encouraging her to do a couple things. I showed her how to squat well so that she wasn't pushing into her knee um, because that wouldn't be helpful. And I was rubbing it for her to help the inflammation get out of there a little bit so it wouldn't feel so crummy when she puts weight on it. But I was also telling her, you know, to move a lot and to continue to do the things that she would normally do, but just have a a higher kind of awareness about some of her movement patterns. And what I really, really admire in my mom is, I mean, she's feisty anyway. She gave birth to triplets after all with no medication. And we were all like normal size. I was almost eight pounds so she's already kind of a hero, heroine in my book, but she's not a complainer and she doesn't identify with this like bum knee or bad knee or I have arthritis and kind of have this storyline. She just keeps on going and going. And I think it actually has helped her. Now, I also told her at some point, if it becomes that it's so painful that she can't function or it's really reducing her activity or her like the level of function she would like, then she might need to think about a knee replacement at that point. Because I have seen many people who have persevered with a lot of discomfort in their knee and put it off for, for a long time. And then they always wish, gosh, I wish I had had that knee replacement earlier. I'm not a proponent of surgery. I'm just giving the example that you can have a actual diagnosis and live with that diagnosis and not be... Um, you know, moored by or like have this kind of feeling of you've been um, brought down by it. You know, my mom is still doing everything that she was doing before, but now she definitely does have to uh, think about some things, you know, going up and down stairs sometimes doesn't feel so good. So get warming it up and all that. But the point is that she is not her diagnosis. She's not identifying as somebody who has arthritis. She doesn't talk about it in her language. And I really believe that that helps her a lot. I've seen similar uh, knee kind of states of being 
in people who are much worse off because they've really identified with this and it's become their identity. And with that, this this arthritic knee no longer, it's preventing them from really living this full, robust life. And this can be seen in all kinds of categories. Low back pain is a huge one. And I want to make this very kind of asterisk um, caveat that I am not at all dismissing real pain and real discomfort uh, and, and just debilitating circumstances that where pain, as I don't like to call it P-A-I-N, but that feeling that we have that really is very real, it does, it is real for people and it does affect them mentally for sure. It affects the their emotional state. It's a, a huge bummer. It can get people very down. But what I will say, and what, um, again, the science is supporting this from psychology all the way to uh, people like Dr. John Sarno, you should look him up, who is a doctor and recognizing that in the low, in many cases with low back pain, there is a huge um, psychosomatic component, which is this, we become our diagnosis. We become the diagnosis that's given to us. You know, there's, you, you can look all these things up, uh, just Google them or whatever, but I mean, there's plenty of circumstances where you, you can read about how uh, you, you get 50 people in a room and you give them all MRIs and say of those 50 people, 30 of them have some kind of structural change, discogenic, it's called discogenic uh, change in their spine, meaning they're, 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 uh, the disc might be bulging or herniating. They're not slipping, disc can't slip, but there's just this, there is some, some degree of herniation where the disc is moving out of its um, container, so to speak, and people have no symptoms with it. Now, what do you think happens when you tell somebody, hey, oh yeah, oh gosh, you L4 and L5, there's a herniated disc there. And that's a um, kind of scary thought to imagine this disc um, bulging right out of its alignment and going near your spinal cord and the, the nerves that come out of the spinal column. This is really disconcerting. And so what John Sarno had discovered is that a lot of people with this chronic low back pain have really become um, just absolutely stymied by their diagnosis of back pain. And it is, uh, it's a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy in a, in a terrible cycle. So, and this can, you can apply this to a lot of different a lot of different things. When you think about how strongly our thoughts are, how how convincing our brain is, um, or how convincing thoughts are in our brain, you all of a sudden say, "Oh, I feel much better," and you feel better. And but say the opposite, and you don't feel great, and then all of a sudden you don't feel great. You know, it, we are we are very much tied into our inner dialogue and our inner thoughts. So my encouragement is for people is to give yourself permission to detach from any kind of identity that you might have around a diagnosis, a diagnosis that you were given, um, that you've had for a while. And this has been, this has been studied in, in a lot of different realms too, not just, not in the body in terms of some kind of ailment in the body, but also with mental disorders and with disorders of that are carried out 
like anorexia, for instance, where there is you, that is, you are not an anorexic, but you are suffering from a disease or disorder. And that's a very different thing. When you can separate your person, your being from the diagnosis, this is huge. And this is incredibly empowering for people from a person who suffers from an eating disorder all the way to a person who, you know, feels like they're going to be destined to have sloped shoulders and compressed um, rotator cuff tendons because they're, the parents did. We need to free ourselves and give permission to just not attach to these ideas or identity that a diagnosis can give us. And instead, work on more awareness and compassion for ourselves in, in, our, in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits. So the best thing I would, when I talk to people is watch your language. This is the, the watch how you speak about yourself, watch how you speak about your body, watch how you speak about your quote unquote diagnosis. Notice how often you, it comes up in your conversations with others or with yourself. Notice how much time you spend thinking about this diagnosis or this idea of what you are or or not able to do based on this diagnosis. And then think in, in a bigger way, what would you, what would you be able to do in your life differently if you did not attach, become attached to this diagnosis? I mean, how would you be more fulfilled and how would you be living and pursuing things differently in your life if you didn't have this diagnosis? And meditate on that literally like think about that and think about that uh without you know there are obviously there are tr- true diagnoses for medical conditions and i'm not re- referring to those i'm referring to these that are that kind of hang around i think of them as like this kind of hanging around our body and our mind and not really serving us long term you can have an acute injury and you have a diagnosis and then you have a treatment plan and you get better and then you overcome that. And with chronic stuff or these nagging things, you can have the same approach. You can think, um, what is going to help me in my life, in my movement patterns, in my thought patterns to get out of this attachment to my diagnosis? Write those things down. Get help from some from a, a yoga teacher or a movement practitioner, um, a physical therapist, someone who knows about the body, and say, you know, I've I'm really fed up with this. I've, I'm really attached to this idea of having chronic neck pain, cracking my neck, doing you know whatever it is, and and thinking I'm kind of wrapped up in that that this is what I am destined to have. I'm gonna have neck pain for the rest of my life. I'm going to have a tight thoracic spine. I'm going to have tight hips. I'm going to have pain in my hips. I'm going to on and on and on. And what can you do in your body and in your, again, in your mental practice that can help overcome this identity with that? And if you have somebody in your life who has this identification with their diagnosis, talk to them about it. A lot of it is bringing this stuff to light because. We all have habits 
that we're not even aware of. So, you know, when you when you talk about something in such a way that you're not even aware of it, um, then that could be a habit. And, and so a friend or family could really say, I, I know that your fill in the blank really bothers you a lot. And I'd like to help you with that. And I've, I've heard that actually talking about it and then moving on, not becoming the story of it, not having a story of it and not being attached to the story of it, but, you know, moving on from it. And they've shown like wounds and you can say a wound, like an emotional wound or a physical wound. You can bring it up. You can bring it and give voice to it and acknowledge it. And then you can do that again. But by about the third time, that then starts to become a story that you are talking about and that you're giving some energy to. And again, this isn't with all injuries, so please be aware of that. I'm not talking about some real devastating stuff or or some real like very concrete things. I'm talking about things that are cyclical and that keep coming back and and kind of hang like I said that has this like hanging cloud over you. Those are the things that we sometimes have a story about. And that diagnosis is only giving power to that story. So use the diagnosis as a tool, but it is not a um, like a permanent ink <laughs> ink blotter that's just going to make a stamp and be there. It's just a tool, and so I would just encourage you to watch your watch your thoughts, watch your thoughts about your diagnosis. And then find ways of empowering yourself to give less power, energy, and tension to this diagnosis and more toward a recovery from it. And so that it benefits you in all ways, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And if you have any questions about this, please feel free to write me. Let me be a person that you can reach out to. Um, you can write to podcast at movementbylara.com. And even if it's just sharing your story, giving voice to it as a way of exiting your body and exiting your story, let me be that person for you if you need it. Because I really am wanting everyone to feel their best and their happiest and their most integrated and aware and awake in, in the body and in the mind and in the thoughts and in the words so that we all just are living our life to its fullest and not being attached to a diagnosis. So I hope this is helpful for you. Please write me with any questions. And again, write me with anything that you would like to kind of unload uh, from your di- in your diagnosis and know that I'm pulling for you and I'm sending you huge hugs and love. And let me also help you in your movement in life by taking my movement classes um, on my platform, movementbylara.com, my lit daily. There are classes every day. They are designed for all levels. They really are. Maybe it'll be challenging at first. Don't give up. Don't give up. Challenge is there for a reason. It grows you. It grows your strength and your resiliency and your spirit and your I can do this factor, which is super important so that you don't get into language that um, is not empowering. So let me help you with that. And that's all for now. 
sending you lots of love from me to you.